Welcome to The Extra, the show that connects you with the issues, topics, and people that are important to you. And so often we are uh, talking about things that are important to maybe one person in the community or another person in the community, but uh, this is something that affects everyone in the community because, of course, it's dealing with taxes. And when you're talking about taxes, I mean, other than the kids and uh, maybe some senior citizens out there whose income level doesn't rise to a certain level, I mean, everyone, unfortunately, has to deal with uh, these things. And so today, we're so pleased to have with us uh, the folks from Taxman to You, which is a local tax organization. And George is on the line. George, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. George Sleeman is the uh, owner of Taxman to You. Why don't you tell us a little bit and share with our audience some of your background? Well, um, I'm an enrolled agent which means I'm licensed by the IRS to practice in front of the IRS. Um, and we specialize in income taxes. Now, one thing that a lot of people get confused about um, when they look at my businesses is I actually own two. Westside Tax Service does all of the income taxes. Taxman to you that is gaining traction works a lot with sales tax and Secretary of State compliance. So I'll be talking from the Westside Tax Service point today on the income taxes. Okay, so so w- first let's give right off the top, what's the best way for people to reach you when it comes to, because I think uh, most of the people that we're um, directing this to today are dealing with income taxes, not necessarily business right. taxes, though we will delve into that a little bit. So what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can call 719-445-0085, or you can email me directly at george at Westside Tax Service. All right. Well, let's talk about this. So last year, uh, our tax return deadline or the IRS deadline was April 18th. I remember that because we got a couple of extra days in there. Um, This year, what are the deadlines? Well, it's still going to be April 15th, which is the traditional deadline. Mm -hmm. Um, The 18th last year, because it fell on a weekend, and then there's the holiday in Washington, D.C., where everybody gets the day off. But we're back to the normal April 15th deadline for the individual taxes. And then they can be extended, of course, and that goes out to October 15th. So let's talk about that. So if you file an extension, what are you required to do? You notify your tax preparer. You give us a call. We file the extension for you. And all that does is tell the IRS that, hey, I am not quite ready to file my taxes. I need to get a little more information together. And you got the time to do it. Now, it is not an extension to pay. If you think you're going to owe, you still need to pay by the April 15th deadline. Um, But you do have until October 15th to file once we file the extension. Please don't forget to do that. So speaking of that, what happens if you do pay ask for an extension, pay, and then fail to file by October 15th. What happens then? Well, now we're looking at, one, um, some really bad record keeping, and we need to work on that is with, with you. But two, um, you, you get a failure to file penalty, and that can be up to 25% of your tax liability, not just what you owe at the end of the year, 
but what your total tax liability was, you can get up to a 25% of that tagged on as a penalty for not filing a timely return. Even if you, even if you paid? Yes. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, that's a very costly mistake then that some people it might make be. out there. All right. Um, definitely can be. So, so we've already passed New Year's, and I know New Year's, uh, the end of 2023, uh, the end of any year, is a time when people try to uh, do some extra financial dealings to get those tax breaks that will hopefully reduce their tax bill. So let's talk about that. Can you get extra tax breaks after December 31st, now that we're in January? Well, you need to speak with your financial advisor and contribute to a traditional IRA plan, and you have until April 15th or October 15th, if extended, to make your $6,500 contribution to your um, traditional IRA. That's about the only thing that you're going to be able to do to after December 31st to lower any taxable income. Okay, so even if you, say, uh, have a refund coming or pay your tax, uh, your taxed amount, what you owe, uh, by April 15th, but ask for a, an extension, you could still make a contribution even an, up until October 15th that might cause an amended return to be filed? With, is that what you're saying? Yes, you have until April 15th. You have... The tax deadline with extensions is how it's worded. So if you file your return, then you're done. Okay. But if you file the extension, and we have everything, we can file it, but you're like, no, I need to put more money into my traditional. Once you put that money in, then we can file it with that being on the return. But if you file your return, that is your cutoff day. Okay. Uh, well, we have much more that we want to talk about with uh, George Sleeman, who's with Westside Tax Services and also Taxman to you. Uh, two different businesses that he administers, but the Westside Tax Services is the one that you want to contact if you are interested in getting some help with your individual uh, income tax return. We need to take a short break, George. Stick around, okay? Absolutely. Okay, we're talking taxes here on The Extra on KRDO News Radio. I'm your host, Shannon Bernia. Stick around. We'll have more after the break. Welcome back to The Extra and our guest today, George Sleeman, who is a tax expert, owner, co-owner of Westside Tax Service that's based in old Colorado City. And uh, George was telling us just before the break about uh, how you can maybe minimize your tax outlay uh, through contributions to a Roth IRA and the deadlines for doing so. So, George, a, a question. Can kids contribute to a Roth IRA? What are the guidelines on that? Well, the kids can contribute to a Roth IRA, and this gets confusing, but I want you to make sure that we have the, the right. Traditional IRAs will lower your income this year. A Roth IRA does not. The difference is, is that a Roth IRA, you pay the taxes now. When you pull it out, that money is tax-free. Now, children can contribute to that. You can hire your kids and save a ton of money if you're self-employed, a sole proprietorship, single-member LLC, or in a general partnership. The reason that can happen is the, the IRS looks at them as your kids. 
under the age of 18. You don't have to pay FICA, so no Social Security and Medicare. You don't have to pay any federal unemployment tax on the wages that you pay them. And you can pay them up to the standard deduction, and they won't even have to file a tax return. Mm. And that money then, then goes they, into a, a retirement account that then pays pays off big when they're able to withdraw from it, right? Exactly. If they put the money into a Roth, you only want to pay them up to the standard deduction. If you want to put that money into a traditional IRA, you can pay up to $6,500 over the standard deduction, and then they would file a return but not owe any tax on it because they get to exclude that money. Got it. Now, the, you do have to be careful, and I'm going to advise anybody who does this out there, you can't pay your kids $50 an hour to sweep the warehouse floor. <laughs> it has to be a reasonable so wage. Okay. It has to be what you would pay the same for the same job, what you would pay somebody else. All right. And, and, but at the same time, it, it, this only applies to people who do have businesses uh, where they can yes. do that. And it sounds like if Correct. you're in that situation, you're probably seeking professional help to kind of uh, balance this and make sure you're doing it right, right? And I hope that they would be, yeah. Um, Westside Tax Service teams up with financial advisors, we team up with banks, and we work together with them in order to make a complete and total tax savings package for them. All right. We can, we, we're not experts in the financial advising. We're experts in tax. Got it. So speaking of taxes, why does it sometimes take so long, it feels like, to get those W-2s and other forms? Well, they have until January 31st to postmark them unless they file extensions. W-2s, they'll be out by January 31st. That's what the IRS dictates as the filing deadline. The 1099s that come from some of your financial advisors, they can extend them, and they send a draft, if you will, to you so that you have an idea of what you're doing. Um, but you really want to wait until you get that final version of those 1099 consolidated from your financial houses. What if you've been unemployed or had a period of unemployment and you, of course, were, or not of course, some people don't, but you did collect unemployment benefits during that time. Are, are those taxable? Yes, they are. Um, a couple of years back, they did do a portion of unemployment as a non-taxable and retroactive, if you remember, a couple of years ago, we had to amend a whole bunch of returns when they said in March that anybody who had unemployment income in the previous year, up to $10,000 of it was going to be not taxed. We had to scramble and get all that done and redone. Um, but now it is fully taxable. I strongly suggest anybody who's on unemployment, don't forget to have your federal and state withholding on that because it is taxable wages. Okay. And... Uh, so, so I guess, then, what do you do if you can't make the tax filing deadline? If you cannot make the tax filing deadline, you give us a call. We file the extension for you so that you have until October 15th. And this brings up something I need to clarify that I messed up in on the first segment there. The failure to file penalty is not on the full tax liability. It is only on the unpaid portion of the tax. I apologize for my error. 
Well, either way, I mean, it's a significant yeah. reason and incentive to get it well, to get your and, your acting gear, right? And not only that, the minimum penalty is four hundred and eighty-five dollars. Oh. So, yeah, get your act together, get your stuff together, get it to us as soon as you can, and we'll get them filed. And so, uh, okay, so we talked about what uh, happens or what you can do, what your options are if you can't make the tax filing deadline. There are some people out there that don't have the money to pay those taxes, you know, by April 15th. What sort of options do those people have? File it anyway. If you owe and cannot afford the tax penalty, or excuse me, the tax liability, we can work with you on getting and instruct you on how to get into a payment plan with the IRS. Now, most everybody should have, if they don't, they need to, get an account on irs.gov. You'll use a a third-party verification company called ID.me to make sure it's you that's doing it. Um, But you can go on there and request all your transcripts. You can see how much you owe after the filing has been processed and make a payment plan based on that. Now, if the payment is going to be less than $100 a month, just pay the darn thing as you can. They're going to attach interest. They're going to maybe attach some penalties on there, but you don't have to pay for the payment plan application fee, which there is. Okay. Got it. All right. Um, It's like borrowing money. Right. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's better than uh, just going without then ending up with that penalty. So so after we filed and say we're owed money, we, we, we're getting a refund, wouldn't that be nice? When right. should that tax refund arrive? When can we expect it? You can expect a refund. It's They tell us to say 21 days after the filing. On average, it takes right about that amount of time. There are things that will make it a little longer if you have earned income credit. If they choose you for a review or audit, that may delay it. Um, But typically you should be able to get it within 21 days. All right, 21 days. And is it better, I know they've been encouraging this a lot to do direct deposit. Is that a better way to do it? Absolutely. That will shorten the time period. If you get a check, it's one to two weeks extra. Mm, okay. How come it takes them extra to pay with a check, but when we're paying our taxes with a check, they seem to be able to deposit that right away. They don't have any delays. Well, they sure do, don't they? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's, you know. It's a mess. Yeah, when it's coming back to us, there's, there's, you know, it's, it takes a while. But when it's them depositing it, no problem. They do it lickety split all right george sleeman is our guest today george is a dave ramsey uh expert with over 30 years of experience working with taxes and accounting he has uh two companies west side tax services uh that will help you with those income tax uh returns that you need to file but he also is a co-owner as well or owner of i should say taxman to you which uh, helps with uh, more of I, I think it sounds like business and commercial issues so we're going to ask you about that george here in a little bit when we come back with the extra Welcome back. We're joined today on The Extra by George Sleeman, who is the co-owner of Westside 
tax service in old Colorado City. And today we're talking about taxes and the upcoming tax deadline on April 15th. Back to normal this year. That's the traditional day. It was a little different last year because of the way the uh, day fell in the calendar year. Uh, So let's talk about this, George. So many people have uh, shifted to remote work, working from their home. Can people take the home office deduction if they do that? Well, not if they're a W-2 employee. Back in 17, there was a deduction for unreimbursed employee expenses. But with the tax change that Trump implemented back then, that was removed. And depending on what happens in 2025 with the tax code, with everything er, um, sunsetting, it may or may not come back. But as it is right now, if you're a W-2 employee, there is no expenses that you can take for remote work. Okay. Even if you have to establish a separate computer line, maybe a more, uh, you know, I don't know, a bigger printer. I don't know what you might need for remote work at home. For us in radio, all we need is a microphone and we're all good. Tie a line in and we're, we're set to go. Um, but but for, for traditional office workers, for traditional workers, you're saying uh, home office deduction, for the most part, that is not going to work for you if you're a W-2 employee. Correct. Yeah, that's something that you need to, to discuss with your employer if you're looking at doing remote work and s- letting them know that you want to work remote. Maybe you can negotiate a computer with them and have them help with paying the Internet bill or something like that. Depends on your employer, depends on the situation. Right. Now, if you are self-employed, of course, then a whole gamut of things open up. But as a W-2, there's, there's just not anything there. And my my father was an accountant, so I do remember, uh, you know, when people were trying to establish a a home office deduction, he would always say, I remember this question, he would say to people, go, okay, do you have a separate door that leads to that office? Because that's like the first thing that you needed to, I I guess, among the things you needed to do so that you could make it stand out as an office. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, A lot of people were urged, especially as the year ended, to make charitable contributions. And some people did it without thinking of the tax benefits for that. Some people did it specifically for the tax benefits. But what what kind of tax benefits are there for charitable contributions? If you're able to itemize, charitable contributions will lower your taxable income on the federal side. And that's great. You know, and, and there are many, many different ways to do charitable contributions. There's mileage you know if you're doing a charitable event and you're participating in it keep track of your miles Mm -hmm. you can get a deduction for that cash contributions walking by the salvation army kettle and dropping in some money is a great way to contribute to the salvation army you're not going to get a receipt for it you so you need to keep track of that somehow even just an extemporaneous ledger um, a note that says on this date I donated this amount to Salvation Army in the Red Kettle. If you donate over $250 in cash, you have to have a receipt to substantiate that. Is that also kind of a trigger for the IRS to maybe look at you and audit you? I always uh, was told that. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, the, you know, a lot of people talk about red flags and, and fear of audit and all that. And let me tell you, unless you're lying, hiding, cheating, or stealing, Westside Tax Service is not afraid of an audit. Okay. Because we make sure that you're prepared today for that audit that may not happen for three to five years, if at all. So, so when I ask the question, what are some red flags that could trigger an audit? Uh, as long as you take out the lying, cheating, and uh, stealing part, uh, you you don't think there are any? Well, th- there are things that the IRS will look at. It's all math. Okay, When you electronically file, they're, they're looking at algorithms. They see that, or they, they know that you are a, let, let's use a barber, for example. Okay, and, and you're a barber. They realize that that's a tip position. They know that. So they're looking to see if your income is going to be within a range of what your W-2 is or in a range of what your 1099 income is. And as long as you're within those ranges, typically there is nothing to worry about. It's when you have a known tipped position that only reports exactly what their W-2 says. Okay. Then, well, then you could have a red flag. Okay. That may draw an interest to it. Some interest. So earlier we were talking about how the Trump administration changed uh, tax, I don't know if you'd call it code or policy or what, but uh, that made it uh, more likely that more people are going to take the standard deduction. How do you make that decision? Should you itemize or take the standard? Well, you take a look at what the standard deduction is. And in 2023, a single um, person, their standard deduction is $13,850. Married joint, $27,700. Head of household, $20,800. If you have charitable contributions, home mortgage interest, Taxes that you paid, and remember those are capped at $10,000, and all that totals at least the standard deduction, we can itemize. But if it falls short of that, we're going to take the standard deduction. We're going to give you the higher of the two. I didn't mention medical because medical is a tough threshold. Yes. you got to have 7.15% of your adjusted gross income before you can do even a dollar. If you have a $100,000 adjusted gross income, the first $7,150 of your medical expenses are not deductible. But every dollar after that is. So we look at, and if we can itemize you, we will. If we can't, you get the standard deduction. More and more people are taking the standard deduction. I mean, we were looking at years of low interest rates. And so the mortgage interest wasn't high enough. The property taxes in the state of Colorado, thank God, are, are a lot better Lower. than many states. Right, right, right. Yeah. Not like the $10,000 minimum you seem to pay in New York. Right. It, exactly. And, and so we, we help you get the best we can. The beautiful thing about charitable contributions in living in the state of Colorado is if you cannot itemize, please, please, please keep track of those charitable contributions anyway. Because when we look at that, and let's say you donated 
$1,500 in total in various different methods. The state of Colorado will allow you to take all but the first 500 as a reduction on your state taxable income. So we may not lower the federal, but right. we can lower the state. Interesting. Okay. Uh, we need to take another break here, George. When we come back, though, for our listeners, we're going to talk about some of the most frequently overlooked tax breaks, if there are any that we're overlooking. <laughs> All right. That when the extra continues. And our guest today, George Sleeman. We're back with our guest, George Sleeman, who is the owner of Westside Tax Service. And if people want to reach you, George, how can they do so? You know, the easiest way would probably be by email, george at westsidetaxservice.com. But you're certainly and welcome to call 719-445-0085 and schedule an appointment with me. We always do our first consultation free of charge. And once you're a client, we bend over backwards for you. And and their website is westsidetaxservice.com. A little later on, we'll talk about, you know, maybe some uh, considerations people need to have when choosing a tax preparer. Um, but let's talk about the thing that I mentioned before we went to break, tax breaks. What are the most frequently overlooked tax breaks, or are there any? Well, there are. Um, according to Kiplinger, which is a, a nationwide financial um, and tax company, one of the biggest ones is the charitable contributions that we talked about. People miss them. They don't think about keeping them. Um, To be honest, if you're going to donate, keep records. Another one is state sales tax. If you have a job that in a state that doesn't withhold sales tax, or excuse me, doesn't withhold state withholding, your sales tax can actually be higher and help you itemize. Interesting. Gambling, lo- yeah. Gambling losses up to the amount that you won. If you went up to Cripple Creek and have a Players Club card and win $5,000, well, you're going to want to get a uh, copy of your losses, too, so that we can deduct that if you itemize. Um, jury pay, you get paid. Um, that is something that can be claimed as a deduction because the income that you receive from your employer and the jury pay, you're not going to get double taxed. Okay. The child and dependent care credit, you want to make sure that you have your daycare records in order. Um, If you pay little Susie across the street to come babysit your kids, unless you get her Social Security number, you're probably not going to be able to do that. You have to have a Social Security number or an EIN for the daycare center. So you want to make sure that you have all of your receipts for what you pay for your daycare. All right. Good. Okay. Good there. And you, so those deductions, those knock off, I mean, like, for instance, daycare, that knocks off from the amount that you owe? That is a, it, it's not a dollar-for-dollar dollar deduction. Um, the daycare credit is a um, credit that is considered a reduction of your tax liability. It is not a deduction of your taxable income. Okay, So it, it caps out at about $600 per child, regardless of how much you pay. Unfortunately, it's, it's 
Behind the times, it needs to be up. <laughs> I was going to say that $600 is not even close to a half a year. <laughs> right. Oh, good Lord, no. It's not even half a month. The, <laughs> the daycare expenses anymore are absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And it's $600 per child. But every when it comes to your taxes, every dollar helps and counts. So we want to make sure that we're getting there, yeah. getting everyone for you. Sure. That's why I keep my uh, old but no good uh, lottery tickets, because I know that if I were to ever win anything, <laughs> I'll take $500. That would be a little bit off of there. Um, so let's talk about if someone is a college student, because they fall kind of in a unique uh, age range. You know, they're not earning a regular salary, or maybe they're earning some on the side. Uh, how should they file a tax return? Well, we at Westside Tax Service look at what's best for the family, okay? So if mom and dad come in and they have all their tax stuff and we find out that Junior went to college, we're going to ask, did he make any money? Does he need to file a return? And if that answer is yes, I want to, I want to be able to do that return as well. Because the American Opportunity Credit, if this is the first bachelor's degree of the child, that can be up to $2,500 of a reduction of your tax liability. And I say up to because it's not a guaranteed 2500 There's a lot of factors that go into it. And if you're doing them yourself, you may miss some of those factors and, and not get as much or, or too much um, of the credit. And they do keep a pretty close eye on these. Um, but the American Opportunity Credit or the Lifetime Learning Credit for anybody that goes to school um, and trying to improve their situation, um, they may be able to take the Lifetime Learning Credit. So we're going to see, is it better for mom and dad to claim the college student? Because they can up until age 24. Or is it better for the college student to file their own tax return? So the American Opportunity Tax Credit is only offered or offerable or actionable if it's the student who's filing their own tax return, not as a dependent of a parent, right? No, the, the parents can get that credit as well if they claim the child. I see. If they're claiming the college student, they could get that $2,500 tax credit. Now, there are limits for income on that, and we're looking at married filing joint. There's an income limit of 160000 where it's completely phased out, and it starts phasing out at $110,000. But it it's still worth looking at. Sure. Absolutely worth oh, okay. it. Okay. And, and you don't, is this for first-generation college students, or is this for any college student? This is for any college student. Mm. The American Opportunity Credit is for your first four years of higher education. Got it. Okay. You, you can take it four times in your entire life. Now, back in the um, 80s, 90s, it was called the HOPE Credit. And if you took that, you've taken the American Opportunity Credit. You cannot do that again. Um, but I've had clients who have taken two years of it back in the 80s, and they still had their tax records to prove it, and they were still... They never finished their degree. They went back to finish it. They were able to take two more years of the opportunity credit and save themselves quite a bit of money. Okay, great. I know that this is probably not the right time to talk about it because we could probably go into a lot and we only have a couple minutes left, but what should people be aware of when it comes to tax scams out there? Oh, good Lord, there is a ton of them. The IRS is never going to call you 
without sending you a letter stating they're going to call you. They're not going to threaten to call the police because you have a tax debt. You know, I had one of those tax people call me here at the office threatening <laughs> to have me arrested if I didn't pay my tax debt. And I just laughed and hung <laughs> up. Um, they're, they're not going to do that. They don't ask for Amazon gift cards to pay your tax liability. Always, always, always. If you think that somebody is trying to scam you when it comes to taxes, get in touch with us. We will help you determine if it's a true or scam. And we'll help you get out of that situation. If it is real, we'll help you with that situation. If it's not real, we'll help you call the police. Well, and you've kind of mentioned this throughout the show in very in relation to various questions I was asking. What should people's considerations be when choosing a tax preparer? We don't want this. Obviously, you know, you are the representative of Westside Tax Service. There are a lot of good, reputable tax uh, preparation people out there. Uh, what should people consider, though? Well, you need to take a look at the education of the person if they have experience. And how you find that out is you can actually go to irs.gov and search for tax preparers in your area that are registered with the IRS. And if they're not, don't go there. There are people who will hang their shingle because, unfortunately, in Colorado, there's no regulation for tax preparation. I was wondering you can, that. Mm. Get out, you can get out of prison and open your trunk and, on the side of Tejon with a sign that says, I do taxes, Ugh. and fill them out. Oh, my goodness. Did those not know people, that. Yeah, those people don't typically sign the return as a paid preparer. And if your preparer refuses to sign it, that's a warning signal. Okay. I sign mine. I sign my companies because I know I can stand behind the work we do, and I can represent the work we do and make sure that my client is safe and guarded. Well, George Sleeman, I wish we had more time because uh, this is a fascinating topic and so timely. Uh, it's good to talk about it when everyone's fresh with, uh, you know, uh, f great intentions at the start of the new year, you know, resolving to be better about taking those, uh, doing those uh, documentations that we need to do for our taxes. So again, if you would like to reach George and his company, Westside Tax Service, you can give them a call at 719 44 50085, right, George? That's correct. That's correct. And also, they have a website, westsidetaxservice.com. And uh, anything else we need to pass along to the listeners in our final 30 seconds here? If you want to stop by, we're located at 27th in West Colorado, is our main office. We have another branch on the North Academy at Hartsocken Academy. If you wish to come to that office, feel free. Stop by. Have a cup of coffee. We'll have a conversation. All right. George Sleeman, thank you for joining us on The Extra today. You're welcome, and thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. You bet. And happy tax season, everyone, as we get closer and closer to April 15th. I'm Shannon Bernius. Have a good day.